So today, the topic is money, and it's important because so much of our thought, so much of our planning, our worry, so many of our anxieties, so many of our joys, money intersects with so many of the decisions that you make. This is not an exaggeration. Listen to me. Your ability to make wise choices about money affects your happiness, your level of anxiety. It can potentially change your ability to live into what you want to do. And here's the good news. If you could learn to make even slightly better choices about what you have, you'll be able to have a better life. And so far this year, we are in the book of Proverbs, which talks about all sorts of decisions. In fact, many of you have read or have been reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. Proverbs is one of these amazing books that really points to how much you need wisdom. And the way it argues it is fascinating by bringing up observations about how life works or doesn't work. And it's helpful, it's interesting, but honestly, it constantly leaves us with a longing for more. So you read something like, well, that, and then you're, sh you're like, sure, what about, and, and that's the point. We always need more than simple rules to navigate life. What Proverbs points us to is God's wisdom through the Spirit. So we've been in the book of Proverbs, lots and lots of topics. So far, we have looked at the topic of how to speak wisely, which is massive, right? We talk a lot. Uh, today, we're looking at money. Next week, we're looking at relationships and family and singleness. These are topics sprinkled all throughout Proverbs, worth your time. And I will say this, even if some of these Proverbs seem obvious, like think about it. The worst decisions you've ever made are dumb decisions, right? It's not that you didn't know, it's that you didn't think. So if you can pause and think through things a little deeper, through the lens of worship and God's words, you're going to make better decisions and end up building a better life for you and those around you. So last week we talked about money and we looked to review, looked at some verses about finances and just to review a couple points we made. The first thing we said last week is what Proverbs says, is that those who are rich are blessed by God. And I pointed out what's easy for us to overlook when we read through the book of Proverbs. You're all rich. Like when you see rich and poor in Proverbs, if you live in America in the year 2003, if everybody woke up indoors this morning, Good, if you had heat and you have three meals a day, if you're more worried about gaining enough, or if you're more worried about weighing too much and not having enough calories, you're rich. And Proverbs says, if you're rich and you're rich, it's because God blessed you. So you should stop and listen to the one who's given you so much. Part of wisdom in Proverbs looks like wise decisions with your stuff because God's given it to you. And in Proverbs, the second thing we said is that of all the different ways that could look, it looks in Proverbs like working hard. So the faith statement, the thing that you, you don't see, you can't prove, is that God blesses people who put him first. And then you wonder how that works, but when you read in Proverbs, what you discover is that people who put God first, well, they also work really hard because <laughs> It's almost like the harder you work, the more God blesses you, could probably be a proverb. Uh, wisdom, or to use Paul's language, the fruit of the Spirit, God working in you, 
looks like you working hard and being good with people. We talked about that last week. The next point we talked about last week is, well, the opposite. In Proverbs, foolishness looks like laziness. Lots of verses about this. In Proverbs, rebellion against God doesn't look like atheism. Like, you don't find foolish people in Proverbs going, I don't think the resurrection actually happened. Like, that, that's not a thing in Proverbs. Rejecting God in Proverbs, it, well, it looks really simple. It looks like laziness in Proverbs. It's going, I don't want to work with my hands. In Proverbs, laziness is foolish and it brings poverty. We talked about this last week. And um, you know, before we dive into what we're talking about this week, let me, let me just point out, especially if you're visiting, I don't typically give sermons that sound like this. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't even like reading verses like this for two reasons. First reason, uh, God isn't transactional. Like, there's no, like, trading system with God. And it's very human to think we could manipulate God in some way to go, if I do this, if I keep these commandments, if I do whatever, God will do this. If I act like this, God will finally love me. And you may not say that out loud, but... For humans, it sneaks in, and it feels like guilt or insecurity going, I messed up. Uh, I don't know if God could ever use me or bless me. That's very human. So what I'm used to saying is that God is not transactional. God's love isn't fair. It's not about what you do. It's what God decides, that he adopts you as a a son and daughter out of his grace and love. It's not about rule-keeping. We use the word grace a lot is the first line in our catechism. We teach this to kids. Our comfort in life and death, it's not that we work really hard, it's that you belong to God through Jesus, not dependent on your behavior. So work hard, don't work hard, it doesn't affect God's sacrificial love for you. That's what I'm used to saying. And I think pastors have a communication problem because it's hard to communicate that God loves you by grace alone and that people who have faith should act differently. Like those are two things that are hard to hold in tension. And now, like I think our communication problem has evolved into a conduct problem. So I, I think pastors' reluctance to talk about rules have resulted in an ethics character vacuum. The stats and the studies are so discouraging. Most Christians are really confident that they belong to God. They got a relationship. But then Monday through Friday, they, their behavior looks the same as everybody else. Christians, atheists, they, they have the same worth, work ethic for the most part. Proverbs, though, is that bridge between what you believe and how you act. It connects faith and conduct. Wisdom connects singing songs on Sunday and how much you work on Monday. And again, I want to be really clear. Acting wisely, working hard doesn't save you. But if you're saved, you should make wise decisions. In Proverbs, that looks like being kind and working hard, and somehow God blesses that with success. But God's not transactional. So verses like this, they don't tell the whole story. The second reason why I don't typically give sermons like this is that you know, God's not transactional, but life is mechanical. Like Life doesn't always work the way it should there are lots of exceptions to simple Proverbs. Like, in, and we talked about this last week. You find in Proverbs hardworking people who are desolate. 
And you've got rich people who are foolish. And in Proverbs, working hard is linked to success, but it's complicated. Today, we're going to get to the complicated part. We've got nice, simple rules, but the fact is life is messy. And here's the other thing Proverbs says, it's not fair. And part of being wise is doing what you can to make things less messy and more fair, but you still need wisdom. So again, we're back in Proverbs. It's as though you went through and circled topics. I'm going to throw a ton of verses at you. I'd encourage you, if you got a bulletin, there's uh, all these verses are in the handout. There's some more in the back, uh, but just hang on tight. Here's the next point. It's more complicated than lazy people are poor. In the book of Proverbs, poverty is also the result of injustice and oppression. It sounds like this. Life is a mess. So you got verses like Proverbs 13, 23, which says, A poor person's farm may produce much fruit, but injustice sweeps it all away. So here's a guy who worked really hard. He did everything right, and he's supposed to have a good harvest, but it didn't work out. Why is that? Well, it's not fair. And Proverbs doesn't say what the injustice is. You could guess. Maybe it's a crooked landlord or thief or government official, a king who takes more than he should. I don't know. Maybe there's a fire or a storm or a frost or a pandemic. Who knows, right? The point is it didn't work. Uh, The guy works really hard, and he didn't get what he worked for. This happens. Proverbs is realistic. Do the right thing. Make wise decisions, but you're still stuck living in a messy, broken world. And sometimes you can do everything right, and you get disaster because of things out of your control. So do everything right. You still should be wise, but just acknowledge that life isn't fair. So you get verses like this. I think we read this one last week. Proverbs 16, 8. It's better to be poor and godly than to be rich and dishonest. Like that is, none of those things are fair. And to be fair, I'll say this again. You're all rich compared to the globe and history. But sometimes disaster strikes. You could tell stories about this, right? You do everything right and it doesn't work out. It crashes and burns. You make the best laid, you lie the best laid plans and it collapses. Proverbs points out that the world is messy, is unfair. It is possible to be godly and poor. It's possible to be dishonest and rich. So what do you do? Proverbs makes what would have been a controversial point during an ancient time where you were defined by what you have. It seems really normal now. But here's the point. The world might be unfair, but it's not because God values people differently. It's because the world's unfair. From God's standpoint, we're all the same. The point is that you ought to honor the rich, honor the poor, uh, all the same. Why are we all the same? Well, Proverbs has this. Um, What's the same between people who seem to have nothing in common? It says the rich and poor have this in common. What is it? God made them both. So the wise thing to do is to be kind to people who may not have what you have. Don't assume people don't have what you have because they don't deserve it. People all deserve respect because God made them. This is the sanctity of life argument. There's something holy about humans that God made. They're valuable. 
This is the U.S. Declaration of Independence, Jefferson saying all men are created equal, right? Proverbs says that every demographic is given a life from God, so people are valuable even if life has been grossly unfair to them. Here's what's fascinating about this. Because life is unfair, because people have harder paths often than than you do, what do you do about it? Proverbs says that those who have ought to be generous. Take care of people who are in rough spots. It's, It's not really fair where they're at. So you have verses like Proverbs 29, 7, the godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked, they don't care at all. I mean, this is the Bible verse. The godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Like part of being godly is caring. It's not being apathetic. It's caring about poverty, about rights, about justice. It's worrying about how people uh, are treated. There's lots of verses where the king has special promises attached. You got verses like this one, if a king judges the poor fairly, uh, his throne will last forever. And uh, I'm not the civics expert here, but we don't have a king that rules our country. So it'd be really convenient to say, I don't get to make choices like that, but you live in a democracy. Do you know who makes decisions? You do. So if you vote, you need to think about this. Are poor, treated, uh, are poor people treated fairly? Are wealthy people given special treatment? And Proverbs, I, I can't really explain this promise here, but the blessing, the success of people is somehow linked to how generous they are or how much they advocate for people who don't or cannot take care of themselves. So Proverbs 28 leans in. It says, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. Wow. Or the next one, curses come on those to those who close their eyes to poverty. Or Proverbs 11, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. I don't know how to explain verses like this. I didn't write them. I just circled them as I read Proverbs. All I can tell you is that somehow it looks like God blesses not just wise decisions and hard work, but somehow God blesses the generous. I I, I can't explain it, and I want to be careful to explain it again. It's not mechanical. Like you don't show God your, uh, your receipts and expect him to give you things in return. I don't have scientific proof for how this works. All I can tell you is that Proverbs claims that God blesses people who are generous, so wise people care about the oppressed, which means that part of being wise is working hard and recognizing you live in a messy world, and that looks like the posture of generosity. Christians, the godly, are generous because God's given so much to us. And somehow, again, don't ask me to explain how this works, but somehow God blesses you as we give. And again, the world is messy, it's unfair, the ultimate answer to all this looks like heaven and hell. Like one day, just wait, God will make everything right somehow. But in the meantime, do you know how God makes the world a little bit less messy and a little bit more just? God does it through us, his blessed, generous people. Again, I'll be honest, we don't talk about money here. In fact, we 
tend to do whatever we can to keep things behind the scenes. I, I don't know what money, like you can ask me what we're doing, I, just, I don't know. We uh, respect confidentiality and we, we just never talk about this sort of thing, but it's a topic in Proverbs. So let me just pull back the curtain and tell you how generous you are. Uh, let me give you a couple examples. Um, last Sunday, most of you have no idea, a gentleman came to our church off the streets and he told this long story about how unfair life is. Stuff didn't work out for him. He came here, I think, from South Carolina to take care of his dad who was sick. He got evicted, missed work, got stuck. All he wants to do is go home. And uh, most of you have no idea this happened. Uh, but last Sunday, the deacons, who don't get enough credit for things, had a meeting with him after church. It was quiet, it was discreet. Uh, I can tell you this, you all generously helped this man get home. That's a big deal. Or last month, Pastor Gilbert from the Spanish church came to our council and said, look, uh, we happen to know uh, several families in our town. They're migrant workers. They, don't have, they literally don't have enough food, and they're not taking any government assistance or anything. Can we do anything to help them feed their kids? Let me tell you how generous you are. By the end of the week, our deacons got a stack of grocery cards, and you all, I think you guys fed about 13 families last month. That's huge. And of course, we point that if something else we do, you also help sponsor the food pantry in Goshen, which feeds hundreds of people. We have a free health clinic, which I think you guys met last, uh, yesterday in the church basement. You all helped out people who, for whatever reason, have no health insurance, who have sick and can't afford medical care. And that's a lot of volunteers, and a lot of just sacrificial giving. And that's like just what's happening in our town. There's, I think, the bulk of the need in our globe is in third world countries. Let me tell you how else you're generous. You fund World Renew, which uh, you guys are literally digging wells for people who don't have water, and you're teaching farmers to, to uh, get more crops, to feed more people. Like That's what you are doing as our church. We fund this one missionary, it's kind of funny, she works in North Carolina to teach kids in third world countries how to read, and they learn about faith, but this also gets them out of poverty. I don't really have to go too far in our service order, you, you all just heard from Chance and Natalie, like, I don't know all the financial details, but uh, from what I understand, you, you all paid for their plane tickets to fly to Ghana, and they were able to help hundreds of people in crazy poverty. I'm so excited to be part of this church. I'm convinced of this. Like one day in heaven, Jesus is going to tell you, thank you, I was sick. You know that passage, right? I was sick and you sent medical students to heal me. And you'd be like, wait, I did what? If you know this line, Jesus says, well, the king replies, this is what Christ says. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus says, you did for me. I am convinced that God blesses your generosity because life is messy. It's not fair. You can read some of the verses in the handout. Proverbs, I'll say this before I move on. The difference between you and someone born in Ghana with not enough legs is nothing. It has nothing to do with how much work you did. So we help out. Uh, I, there's a couple more verses in your handout. There's a bunch of things about uh, uncritical giving, so be careful about giving too much. Uh, be careful about signing down for uh, paying debts. 
Uh, listen to stories that people tell you. There, there's a lot of that in Proverbs. But at the end of the day, uh, the difference between you and someone born in a really difficult spot, it's, it's nothing but God's grace. So if you're rich, and look, we're all rich, be generous, and God blesses that somehow. But in the tension between rich and poor in the book of Proverbs, there's, there's always something underneath. And it's this point Proverbs makes a bunch of times, that being rich is great. Like, isn't it nice not to have to worry if you'll be able to food food for the rest of the day? Or uh, it's such a privilege not to worry about if you'll be able to sleep indoors right now. Which, this is all fantastic, but let me tell you, in Proverbs, there are a bunch of things more important for your happy and health than money. And I'm going to read a bunch of verses. You'll, you'll see them on the screen on the handout. Um, I, I, I'm going to read these. I want you to make a mental note of all the things that Proverbs says is more important than what you got. I'll read some of these. Proverbs 15, 16. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have treasure with inner turmoil. A bowl of soup with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment? I'm just going to let you read the rest of this. There's a ton more in your handout. But the thing that you'll notice is you read a bunch of these verses is that they admit the obvious, that not everybody who is wise uh, and godly are wealthy. There are wise, godly people in Proverbs who just barely survive. It's not fair. Proverbs also recognizes that you can be poor and godly, you can be rich and foolish. That tension is there. But in these verses, I want you to look at all the things Proverbs claims is more important than money. Things like inner peace. Your mental health is more important than what you have. You'll see relationships in there. Family is more important. You'll see honesty. Having character is more important than getting ahead. Or good reputation is better than gold, Proverbs says. It all flows from the central value of the book of Proverbs, which is wisdom. Sometimes called the fear of the Lord. Sometimes called godliness. Having a foundational relationship with the Lord in Proverbs is what is more valuable than gold. You'll see a bunch of verses about the limitations of wealth. Like it is not an end-all. Verses like Proverbs 11:4, Riches won't help you on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. In other words, following the Lord. And you attach a whole bunch of other words to that. Faith, uh, trust, uh, that's what keeps a person from well, self-destruction. You'll read a bunch of verses about the fact that money has its own set of problems. Uh, there's a bunch of Proverbs that you could summarize as more money, more problems, more to manage, more problems. There's lots of verses like Proverbs 14. Um, the poor may be despised even by their neighbors, but, they're, uh, but the rich have many friends. In other words, you just don't know who likes you and who doesn't. If you're rich and we're all rich, you've got problems. Here's the truth. Most people in our country are at a bigger risk from mental health issues than starvation. That's the world we live in. And that, live, that leads the wise writer of Proverbs to pray for provision and contentment. You'll hear this verse a couple of times. I think this is where it's at. 
Here's a prayer. God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, let me never tell a lie. In other words, let me have character. Second prayer, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? I don't need the Lord. I've got what I need. If I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. A wise life is a balanced life, is a happy life. If you're able to trust in Christ, it brings stability and security knowing that God's got you in the palm of his hands. If you're able to do this, you're free enough to be generous. You make the world a little bit more fair, a little bit less messy. And when your life is built on the Lord, you're able to focus on what's really important. Live a life filled with God's glory, with the people that you love, with peace of mind and contentment. And somehow, in ways I can't always explain, God blesses that sort of life. A life of wisdom when it comes to what God's given you. And God blesses all that with success. So next week, that's, well, this week, that's what Proverbs says about money. There's probably more. I'd encourage you to read it. Next week, we're going to just circle the topics of what it says about relationships, marriage, and singleness. And that'll probably be enough. I'd encourage you to read, about, read Proverbs. Think about decisions you make. Think about how to honor the Lord in them. And I look forward to learning more together. But let's pray for now. Father in heaven, uh, God, thank you for wisdom. Thank you that we can trust you. Help us to be good stewards of what you've given us. Help us to work hard and wisely with what we have. But may none of your gifts be a temptation to us to forget about you. May they be reminders of how much we depend on you. Father, we love you. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to love you and to love others. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.